Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Up The Vibe. And today I'm joined again by Rupert Gibson Hall. And we're going to be discussing ancient civilizations and extraterrestrials. Hi, Rupert. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself, Joe? I'm very good. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I've been reading for the last couple of years on various um, aspects of this, the ancient astronaut theory, and it's a fascinating topic. So much more depth to it than our current uh uh, history that we're told going back to ancient Egypt. So, um, in terms of Egypt, actually, who who built the pyramids? Do you think? That's a difficult question to answer. I guess I'd, um, as we've discussed on many many previous occasions, um, I've reached back to Zachary Sitchin's work a little bit, and I think you had a book yourself that you you referenced to me. Um, but it seems like there were these uh, group of gods or you talk about the Anunnaki gods with ancient Sumeria, but leading into Egypt, we had the Egyptian gods. So it's Horus, Marduk, and there are many others um, top of my head. But they were involved in building these uh, amazing structures. And it's easy to look at it and think, all right, they came down and they just did it all themselves. But Or we could look and think, no, let's not neglect the amazing achievements that humanity can have. But I believe it's somewhere in between, Joe, where either humans were taught a, a means, maybe controlling the bricks of their minds, or uh, maybe they're using their own technology or a fusion of both. But somehow, I believe an intervention came to build them. And I do believe the pyramids were built for a certain purpose. But to answer the question of who, um, we would need to know whether these are beings that were were humanoid in nature. What was the connection between them yeah. and us? Um, because the history books tell us that it was slaves uh, four thousand years ago, and uh, is it Khufu yeah. and Khafre? The these uh, these guys had you know been were around and leading the fa the pharaohs were leading these slaves into basically building the pyramids over maybe one or two generations. And it, it, when you look at how they were built, I think we can call that um a false narrative what do you think i i think it's fairly false almost quite um you sound almost a little bit biblical there and there's a, a strange biblical connection to mm. you know egyptian and things like this but um you know i think i think you can ground up a group of people and maybe i'm going off on a slight tangent here but encourage them or make them do something but there's there's such a beauty and an integrity to the pyramids i almost think that perhaps if there were slaves or a group of people involved how practically they were applying themselves i don't know in terms of building it but in a way maybe they believe they were doing something above themselves and maybe they looked to the gods as a form of gods because of the powers or the ships they had you know you can imagine if you're living at that time and, and all you had was uh, you'd be a simple farmer in a different part of the world um but then these beings come down in in spaceships imagine if that happened today what would be going through your head so for them we often think that we come out with all the guns and the tanks and, and fight them but in that time you you would think this is some sort of divine being and if they say yeah. all right we're gonna get you together let's let's go build something this is the purpose yeah i think people, a lot of people will get behind that so that that's how i feel I think there's definitely a, a change, and I'm just going to go into sort of the Bible story. There's a definite um, uh, 
mixing between the idea of God and the idea of these extraterrestrials. When you reread it and, yes. and exchange a lot of the words like Elohim and Yahweh for ET presence rather than um, for God, then you, it gives you a completely different lens of the Bible. But what's interesting is I think the Book of Enoch was was removed at the Council of Nicaea, and that book, um, when now that when you read it, you see that there's a the link between the extraterrestrial presence um, and how humanity grew at the time and everything is is much more stark and you can see why it was removed because I think there was a deliberate mixing of the two things to almost make the idea of an ET presence sound or to disappear basically at first and then eventually it's become <laughs> become a bit of a, uh, a hard topic to discuss or even closed closed you know closed many people will call you a conspiracy theorist or a tinfoil hat hopefully not um, now things are changing but you know going back in the yes. day um it's it, it, it does seem that the bible was uh was deliberately written to remove the et story um and and to go back to back to what you were saying about ets and and their influence on on the pyramids i think i think that that it, it can't be understated how how hard it was to build those and we'll, we'll touch on that in a sec but um what what's What's amazing is when you when you look at the pyramids, you what you see. Uh, I don't know if you've you've seen the how the stonework looks better at the bottom than it does at the top. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which just says a lot about um, that these slaves may have worked on the pyramids under under Khafre, Khufu, and whoever the pharaohs were at the time, but they weren't building the pyramids. They were probably maintaining them, building aspects of them on top or in the lesser stonework that they had available compared to what what was what was there already so yeah there's a um an interesting um uh, criticism of when, when people say you know you see some of these bricks especially at the bottom and they're just so perfectly shaped and they've done measurements um of the degrees at the corners and i guess obviously i'm not a mathematician but you can't get that without machinery but the counter argument is, well, look at some of these stones and structures or, or some of the stuff has been built mm -hmm. on top of the pyramids. It's not perfectly done. There's clear evidence of, of man-made tools. And actually, and I, I could be getting this wrong, Joe, but I think there's been quite a few civilizations that have come and gone since the, the ancient Egyptians and uh, Egyptian people today, uh, what is claimed that racially, there's only a small connection between them and these ancient Egyptians. And that, that just makes sense in many respects. But I think another civilization they theorized at some point came along and built certain things on top of the pyramids and maybe left or stayed or, um, but I, I could believe that, you know, I don't understand why they would build on top of it, but there's a clear distinction in looking at some of these bricks and so looking at some of the other, not exactly modern, but maybe more modern than these bricks were for the structures. Yeah. And if you look at the um, the size of the stones that are used in the pyramid, they're, mm -hmm. they're huge, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is why we can um, build them today. So there's a couple of um, names escaped me. I believe it was two, but Japanese uh, architects. But I think the Japanese translation um, was that their title is is something slightly different. But they came down and they took a look and they you know, did some studying and spent some time there and looked at many aspects of technology we have today and they concluded we couldn't have, we can't build them today 
And even on top of that, considering the food, the water you need to bring over just to sustain people using average, um, not average, but very advanced machinery, um, it's just insane. So yeah. um, it's not just a question of pulling bricks through through sand. Um, there's actually a, a theory saying if we did do it today, if you were to pull bricks of that magnitude through the sand, what happens is that the sand just builds up at the front. And then the more you pull it, the more you get that resistance. And it's almost like the brick is sinking, but not quite. Yeah. So you get this kind of small dude and, and you're getting nowhere. So the only way you would do it is if you if you wet the sand at the front, and you can pull thereabouts through the wet sand. Sounds almost counterintuitive, but then the question is, well, where's the water? Where's the water you got to put in front of the brick to, I'm calling it a brick, let's say it's brick or a stone to, to pull <laughs> through. But then there's the question of how do they get it that perfectly shaped and rectangular or square in the first place before they even were dragging it through? No one ever asked the question of what was done to it before it got there. Yeah. which I think is, is a golden question. Yeah. How were they quarried and in such a perfect yes. way? Yeah. And carried such distances. And it's, it's an amazing feat. And as you say, um, technologically, it uh, seems impossible. If today's standards, let alone the standards of what are considered to be Bronze Age uh, tools. Or, uh, is, that, is that correct? In, in terms of the... Yeah, you say Bronze Age, yeah. Early age, yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, have you have you seen some of the pictures of various uh, stones that appear to have um, been left halfway through being quarried? So there's there's pictures of uh, quarries where you see the stone and it almost like they've said, oh, that's not that's not worked out, and they've started again. But you get to see the size and how they were how they were doing it at the time, and it almost feels like it was done through light lasers or something yeah, that, I, that technology, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, along those lines, there's some really cool. Um, again, I watched a great uh, documentary about this. Uh, it's got the South American. I forgot his name. He's awesome. It, I, I should have looked at it before, but he's he's on lots of documentaries on this. Um, and uh, there's actually still, um, and a lot have been tried to they tried to cover it up. Um, not like a crop circle, but the equivalent in a desert where it looks like ships have landed. And there's still these okay. strange formations found in the sand. Um, they're quite a distance from the pyramids. But actually, Zachariah Sitchin, he, he had one little spot he had. He gave a little name for it where it was almost like a way station for different ships to come and go. And uh, there could be a connection Space between ships. that. Yeah. Because um, there were, I, can, I can't remember whereabouts, but somewhere in Egypt in the desert, they discovered a whole bunch of longboats um, also buried in the sand. Uh, in a place that either the, the speculation is that they were built, they were buried with a, someone important, almost as a way of you know allowing him in the afterlife to sail away. But uh, the other idea is that there was a port there once, and it was uh, for for water. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in 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 the whole desert area that um, is interesting I, I don't know if you heard about the theories that it was once lush and green and forested i've heard this area. as well yeah, yeah. it's really interesting <laughs> i don't know how it got to a desert maybe that was part of the uh, the cover-up really um yeah yeah so in, in terms of looking at the pyramids or around the world what do you think their purpose was it's really interesting because um uh something i saw on 
uh, is this guy streaming documentary it was fantastic it showed um not just the pyramids but other ancient civilizations as we've discussed previously joe and the the incas in brazil um the aztecs in in mexico and where a lot of these structures are built is actually these uh, electrical lines going through the earth and i'm not saying like a, a modern line of electricity going through um is actually a point where we just have a higher natural electrical current but it is going around the earth yeah. and meets itself again is, is the theory and that's where a lot of our dams are built just to get it um uh, harvested from the water if you will i can't tell you the exact science but where these um ancient buildings are placed is either right next to it or right on top of it um and one of the most common things you hear from egyptologists who have walked around the pyramids at oh so many occasions and gone to uh parts where only they're really allowed to not everybody you can't see all of them basically as a tourist they describe it as like being in a machine it's not really described as a tomb and that's a huge uh misconception it feels like you're going through almost like an engine uh, there was somehow purpose to uh, maybe energetically I, I couldn't tell you what it was but i i can see that what the footage i've seen and um even like where there's like all these strange little holes in the wall and there are little like hieroglyphics and figures figurines almost coming out of there it's almost like machine like but made from stone it's really bizarre mm -hmm. yeah definitely um there's a lot of theories um about the pyramids but i think one of the more popular ones is the kind of the a power plant of sorts something to create energy and as you say on on the grid lines um that was it was as a source of of energy maybe even access to other worlds through portals or something you know magic yeah. stuff. <laughs> um yeah. but uh talking about uh, grid lines as well um i think I had a, a really good um, explanation of grid lines, a bit like um, the chakra system in, in the body uh, when doing energy work. I, I don't know if the listeners might be familiar with the chakras and um, and and the <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, you want to explain those, but the um, the various energy points in the body that are um, it seems that the earth itself has its own energy points, which is the grid line. So it kind of there's a connection between the two things, the two Gaia and our own bodies yeah yeah it's almost like i'm not sure if i believe it's fully but ties in with the, the gaia um i guess you call it theory or uh, that the earth is a, is a living being a female being that is, is under immense stress at the moment which is obviously a slightly different topic but i can see that linking in with maybe like it, it's the earth earth space version of the chakra and we're just a, a mirroring um of that but maybe as you mentioned joe these these uh, ancient birds were, were a gateway to other worlds which sounds almost very stargate if you remember the old yeah. films before the tv series which is a classic and i know people go oh but that's science fiction but you got to ask yourself like you know a lot of these programs what were they based on originally i, I, I find it hard to believe people just think a lot of this up um I, obviously some of it is is fictional it is a fictional program but i think they base it off a lot of readings they've done it wouldn't surprise me if they were the gold and um, the Jafar, they, they looked in depth and created something fictional from something that I believe is reality. Yeah, yeah. So how, how long do you think um, ETs have been in contact with Earth? How, how far does that history go? I, I think from the very beginning, I, I reckon um, 
I do believe we were engineered because um, there's all, there's the theories of um, where I think it's South Africa today. Uh, the first, I think it's the Anunnaki built or engineered the first humans. And that's what Zachariah touches on. And uh, whether that was an intervention with, with apes or whether we were just engineered through different fragments of DNA from their own DNA. There's talk about other, many ET civilizations, their DNA inhibited in us. And that we have this intuitive nature and this uh, quite critique nature, but we have the emotional capacity that is almost like each ET has a little bit of strength in each one of them, or we've got them all, but we don't realize our power. Mm-hmm. But it's gotten so out of hand in, in modern civilization. It's, it's about retaking that power and, and humanity waking up. Um, sorry, I've gone a bit of a, a deviant there, Joe, but I think that taps into it, that whatever was the intention to, to create us. Um, so you look at that, then you see, look into um, Atlantis and the theories on that were well yeah. before. And that's where the first ETs apparently came. And it's called Lumeria, but I think it had a different name. And there were different humanoid groups um, living there, or I don't want to say harvested, but along those lines. And then from that, they spread out and colonized different parts of the Middle East. And there were some smaller scale wars that went on. But there's an interesting, um, having chatted, turn up, I've had the, the luck, um, uh, the joy of meeting uh, native Canadian, Canadians. I haven't met Native Americans, I've seen them, I've been to both countries. Um, and it's the same with the Aborigines in Australia. So I don't want to generalize here, but there are even people today from these um, not so ancient, but ancient enough cultures who feel like they're the first humans. Um, and it's something that's been taught down through generation through generation that um, they were potentially the first humans and planted in some of these countries before they were known as, as countries and to kind of keep tabs on humanity. And they taught them a very spiritual way of existing and being. And again, I emphasize something has, it's not everything wrong with modern civilization, but something has gone wrong down the way. Yeah. And uh, it's something that features a lot. Sorry, go on. No, I just wanted to know, uh, touching on Atlantis and Lemuria, what what do you think happened there uh, and why that ended? Um, I think it's like anything, what, most things, not all things, because we're infinite in many respects, but has a bit, one thing that has a beginning has an end. And I think at the point I am now on initiation with Matthias De Stefano and anyone listening, it's really worth checking out on Gaia streaming. I absolutely love it. Um, but I'm at the point where certain um, original Atlantean beings have uh, gained power and, and want control. And it is such a recurring theme of, taking more than what you really need and abusing power but as as matthias explained you know i'm only explaining so much of, of what i know um i can't tell you exactly what what happened because i wasn't there this is mm-hmm. my past life memories so it's almost at that point the ets were kind of it's like we were having a certain sense of guidance and as soon as they take a step back humanity's thinking for itself and that's where maybe things started going wrong but um I need to sort of look into that more, but I, I couldn't say why it was ending almost is like it ending and it's all completely disappeared. So I don't know what happened to well, I think this, they were, this great flood, wasn't there? Supposedly 11,000, eight years, 800 years ago that, that uh, pretty much wiped out a lot of 
what 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 was there at the time and what survived ended up in caves and underground and maybe okay yeah reserviced yeah, after the ice age yeah. yeah but what 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 were they up to is were they they i, I guess <clears throat> i think it's pretty clear that they were technologically advanced um but uh were not very spiritually able to to uh to advance to the next level and were maybe a, a danger, a threat to other ETs, and they decided this we need to restart our experiment on Earth. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's restart, or um, you know, it seems to be this. Um, you mentioned the great floods. Um, and it's something, oh yes, of course. And I was thinking of Atlantis, but it's almost like the evidence of this this nuclear holocaust around the time of um you know, Egypt and other ancient civilization, the or pretty much the ancient east of those um, civilizations in contact with ETs to kind of hit the reset button, but how humanity potentially bounced back. But whether there was an intention with the flood or that there wasn't, but what, what Matthias describes these um, ancient Atlanteans is that they were very spiritually advanced, but also were, they were almost advanced in a way where they didn't need the technology we had today to achieve many of the feet so if you looked at them from a distance they looked like quite sort of um farm not farmer like but ancient in a very different way but actually they were incredibly advanced quite humble in the way they yeah. were dressed and the way they lived yeah um but it was it was advanced in a way we we couldn't possibly imagine because we're not quite there yet we've got technology as the intervention and they went past the technology at yeah. least for the most part being that intervention imagine they didn't have uh netflix and nightclubs and, <laughs> and pubs but we we laughed about we laugh about that one of the things which um uh, in fact it was the you've met you've met uh he'd be great to get on here jamie talked about um he's been doing c5 for many years and he said that actually we think oh well they, they don't have this and this because they don't need it but we have an incredibly creative nature about us as human beings and music is one of the best ways we i think express that and now through tv and things like that so we've we're, we're expressing ourselves in this very creative narrative that i don't think Nietzsche's before did so even if we and i hope we do get to the point where we're able to just just through manifestation through quantum physics and, and manipulate our reality in a very healthy way but bypassing the technology i like to think we would still have a corner flat creativity whether it's through tv media music through graphic design. Um, I think, yeah, it's like any anything. If you advance to a certain point, everyone's gonna advance slightly differently. And I think that's one of the beauties of humanity is that ETs are so fascinated with our creative nature. That's one of our best, um, best characteristics. Yeah, uh, definitely in, in music and uh, our ability to create poetry and, yes, and write books. Yes. And yeah these things we we probably don't we underestimate how how uh how important that is to be kept and, and why we are being hopefully looked after i think we are being looked after at the moment i feel that way certainly at the moment that uh a potential crisis has been averted i think uh we could have been long gone by now but whether it had been a nuclear war or an asteroid hitting us or um war between nations i feel these these things i know people might say well they didn't happen that means doesn't mean that they could have happened but 
I, I think that, that a lot of that was potential and it, and right now we're still here talking and um yeah touch wood it's going to continue so i think we've been looked after um yeah, i think I things are going to be very positive in the future yeah as we talk about like the galactic council isn't there and the yeah. are beings yeah. living on on our earth who are are watching us anyway or, or there are beings whether they're hybrid beings or they're ones who look very like us who are in high positions of power and it's this balance of i mean something ets are ruling the earth in a very negative vibrational way or considered an evil way and maybe that's true but i think reaching back to sort of dr stephen greer here i think most ets are here just to help us help us to raise our frequency you know up the vibe raise yeah. our vibration yeah. and that is the key to um the interconnectivity and when the time is right and the time isn't right the connection will be made to us but the cool thing is we're making that connection to them now like the ancients mm. also did um so yeah i think we are being watched over we're being guided and watched over and it's just we're, we're going through those small steps it's it is the age of aquarius and i do believe it's it's that age of change in a positive way yeah definitely definitely feel that way um Going back to uh, we we're talking about the Anunnaki at the earlier earlier, and I'm not sure if I've got this right, but Anunnaki does that mean Anu? I think Key was Earth, so Anu, a ruler of Earth, Nanunaki. Yeah. I think that's what it means, Anu. And I think Anu was the um, the god who had two sons, Enlil and Enki. Um, and uh, you wanted to talk about uh, eagle versus snake or the serpent. Um, do you know, I can't remember which one it is. I think Enlil is the serpent, is that right? Yeah, Enlil serpent and, and Enlil and them being brothers. And again, Zachariah, it's, it's been a couple of years, but he touches on this in Stairway to Heaven and mm. more of the gods taps in a bit more. This is for booking um, ancient Egypt, but it taps into ancient Sumeria. Um, so I know there are people out there who've criticised Zachariah as well, saying he didn't get all the hieroglyphics right. But I think what can be agreed on is the existence of these these beings and and their impact. And they're almost like the Norse gods. They're incredibly, a lot of them, quite selfish and deviant and very flawed like humans. And um, it's bizarre when we talk about ETs being very enlightened. And I think some of them are. But the Anunnaki, are, they're painted in quite a negative way in their intentions but like anything there are probably some who had some negative some who have some very positive intentions for humanity we just don't know um but then too is really fascinating but the, the reference to the serpent is something you see so often it's as i say it's norse mythology greek mythology um a lot of these chirographic translations in ancient civilizations uh there's a serpent almost tongue and mouth for snake yeah. on the nasa logo the vatican but the world health oh. organization as well world health you mentioned the mexican flag oh the mexican I think, flag uh, yeah another that's... conversation we had <laughs> yeah. so it, it's really fascinating but it's i really don't know what it is because there's on the one hand all this talk and i think david Icke, he shall not be maimed in the real mm -hmm. life um it talks a lot about reptilians and, and things like this. And it's again one of those things you can look at. I think that's just neglect because it's ridiculous. We we simply do not know. If we're discussing ETs and we believe in this, we've got to hold that possibility of what he's talking about in some form. Mm. But also it could be a um 
as you've mentioned, Joe, it could be something very positive with the reference of the serpent. It doesn't have to be something negative. And um, it was a serpent who, I've gone blank on the exact story, but if you can fill me in on um, in the uh, the Garden of Eden. Oh, the, oh, the Garden of Eden, well, the serpent gave the, the fruit of knowledge to Eve. To and, Eve, that's it, fruit of knowledge. Yeah, and there's always thought that that was what banished them from Eden. Um, and the snake was considered evil. Uh, so there's this kind of connotation with with evil and snake. But um, when looking at eagle versus snake, the, the eagle represents the war, the war machine. I think that the Romans, they yeah. had the eagle on their the crest. And the, the eagle often is used to represent that kind of control and uh, war and whereas the serpent's more about knowledge. So it's kind of two ways of developing in a civilization. And looking back at uh, our history, we, are, we have definitely had a lot of wars and um, a lot mm. of control systems. But I feel we're moving more into a knowledge-based system where the average person becomes a lot more knowledgeable about, about history, about um, spirituality, about mathematics language other et races i think our our knowledge is going to exceed that of our ancestors where um knowledge wasn't really prized it was something that was kept amongst a small elite but everyone else were workers and serfs to the system um, but we're moving away from that where everyone is knowledgeable everyone has access to knowledge and and, and truth as well because um <laughs> it's easy to say i've got a lot of knowledge but uh, or anyone can say they've got a lot of knowledge, but there's a lot of falseness in the knowledge. There's a lot of muddy water. It's just like we've been given a, a jigsaw, then half the pieces have been thrown away and, and another jigsaw's come in, been thrown in, and it's we're, we're trying to put it together and it's it's quite difficult. I think I, I use that analogy a lot because it kind of demonstrates that it doesn't matter um, how many pieces you've got, it's still a tough task trying to piece it all together. But we're, we're going to move away and find that find the truth eventually about a lot of these these stories, ancient history. Yeah, yeah. Like as you said, humanity's waking up. So I don't know what the future holds, but I think I think ETs will intervene, and, and it may get to a point where, with a lot of the current control measures, don't get too deep into this, but control measures coming in, and I feel like almost it's an intention with with false news, false media, and um, everything going on at the moment, there is this instilling sense of fear and trying to keep us in a lower vibrational range intentionally to stop us from, from evolving. And actually that push to try and lower us is, is making us ascend further. So that there's a hell of a lot of work to do. But it's almost like an irony today is, is the time, I think, to live through, through technology, through reading books, through, I mean, just the luxury, I think sometimes, Joe, of um, I can sit, order a book on ancient civilizations tomorrow it arrives at my door i just think that's amazing I, i've yeah. never lost that concept and i will learn from that book or i'll critique that book and there's something so beautiful about how a lot of ancient civilizations live whether they're in contact with ets or not uh, let's just maybe glance over the the idea of slaves building the pyramids we simply don't know but those who have very positive experiences with ETs are something like the Aborigines in Australia that had many and very positive. 
um, obviously very negative when we make contact with them, which is maybe to the point. But I think in modern times, you can live a lovely, wonderful, perhaps it's easy for me to say being, being white British, but a wonderful existence of meditation and just using, as you said, Joe, that knowledge, that knowledge is key for building yourself. There's the spirituality, there's the meditation for the in, and the external is studying and learning and having time for yourself. And I think um, keeping us working silly hours, low vibrational range in a state of fear, not even being able to hug someone you care about is, is just wrong. Yeah. And it's not only that, it's, it's also that greed and wanting more, wanting more money, wanting more things. Yeah. Materialism. Materialist. Yes. Um, this, this is, um, <coughs> no matter how hard, now how, how do you push? You always find someone who's got more than you and it, it never satisfies mm. you. But when mm. you want to, move away from that and just be abundant without the material possessions and to have nothing but to feel abundant that's limitless <laughs> yeah it is um, limitless yeah and um yeah we're moving away from this idea that we have to you know keeping up with the joneses as, as it's called you know this idea of having to to earn more money or to have the bigger house and or the better car you know these things these are these are going to be old old ideas eventually in the, in the mindsets of most people as they they move into a higher vibration um what what you can give is more important than what you what you take and what you can give to others yeah. you know and and what you can share with others and i think that's what these ets were doing so i i like to think that when they were connecting with to to reach back with these ancient civilizations it was to it was done i think for the most part to give something to them because for most of them they were living pretty happily and very peacefully there is evidence obviously of tribal warfare i'm sure but at least within these um tribal ancient not always tribal but existences there is something very peaceful and beautiful about that and unfortunately uh, modern man humankind came along and, and changed that um, and it begs the question, why didn't such beings of such power come in and just change that permanently? Um, so it, it's really just a, a very wide, wide topic. But um, I guess the point I'm reaching to is, is that, you know, from what we've all learned from, from war and history and what really happened with ancient civilizations, we can learn a lot from them um, in living well today, massively. Yeah, definitely. Well, on that note, on that very positive note, um, maybe we should end it there. Um, but thank you very much for having another chat with It's been, been wonderful and hopefully we'll have you back. All right. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you.